This is episode 104 of Bella in Your Business. The next series is going to be a bunch of interviews with amazing pet sitters that I know that will also motivate and inspire you and your business. From time to time, I interview incredible pet sitters who have been through or faced some really amazing challenges that have inspired me, therefore I know will inspire you. If you know of anyone who has an amazing story to share, who is a pet sitting or dog walking business owner, I'd love to hear from you. Just go ahead and email me at bella at jumpkin consulting.net. Until then, enjoy this next episode. Welcome to Bella in Your Business, where Bella will discuss anything and everything about your pet sitting business to help you land on target. So get ready. Bella's got your shoot. Let's jump. Welcome to Bella in Your Business. My name is Bella Vasta, your host with Jump Consulting. And today I have a long time Oh, how, how do I call you? Client and I think become friend, um, <laughs> uh, Heather uh, from Trust Details in Hoboken, New Jersey, and soon to be other places as well. Heather, welcome to the show. Thank you. I am so excited to have you on today because every time that we work together, you inspire and motivate me. You have come such an incredibly long way, just building and building and building. And even that short time that you were in the mastermind, you inspired everyone in there and they wanted to know all about your story and how you're able to do stuff. So today, that's what I really want to expose with you, if you would be so kind to allow me to. But before we get like really deep into it, I want you to kind of let our listeners know more about who you you are, how you started the business, how big your business is, if you can give them a little bit of a comparison and just an overview. So my name is Heather Gaeta. I started my business back in 2006 while I was in grad school to become a teacher. And my business just kept getting bigger and bigger. And before I knew it, I had a business partner (laughs) and then I had employees and we would just split the walks. And about three years into it, I decided that I wanted to have kids. So I had to kind of really ramp up in order to make the same amount of money that I was making walking dogs. I had to ramp up like, you know, two, three times more so that I could afford to be home with my children. And really, that was the whole reason I have this business is so that I have the flexibility to be a mom that can be there for my children. My business now is it fluctuates between like 25 and 40 staff, depending on the season. We're in the busy season now, so we're ramping up, ramping up, ramping up. Uh And I cover all of Hudson County. I've creeped over into Manhattan across the river. And my human resources manager moved to Savannah a couple years ago. And we just recently decided that we were going to take on clients there. So I'm down in Savannah now with three employees and some clients. We take care of chickens and (laughs) all kinds of stuff that we don't usually do in an urban environment. So it's kind of exciting. Wow. There's so much that you just said there that I want to unpack. (laughs) The first thing is I know a lot of our listeners can relate to being a mompreneur as we call it, right? And struggling, like, do I take my kids on pet sits with me? How do I, you know, be a mom and be making dinner and running errands and picking the kids up from school and also running a business? Can I have it all? I want it all. I'm trying to do it all myself and it all falls down. So I love that your why started with those kiddos. They're adorable boys. How old are they now? Seven and nine. Oh, that's so sweet. And you have a habit of just kind of walking through doors, girlfriend. And I love that about you. You kind of walk through doors, decide if it's for you. And you know, you could always turn around and walk right back out that door. So 
at what point did you realize that you needed an overhaul? Because I know that you had, when we first met, that was probably like four years ago. When we first met, I didn't even have a handbook. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding, right? So where's your handbook? And I'm like, (laughs) but you had already grown to a couple hundred thousand at that point, or maybe it was more than a couple. You'd already built this thing. You you had this vision that you wanted to be that mom and, and grow this business. But it was a little defunct in the way the processes were running it. It was organized. My pricing was terrible. <laughs> so my at what point did low. you throw your hands up and say, you know what, I, something needs to change because what I want isn't what's happening. And how did that whole thing, can you talk I guess about? it was just, it was getting to a point where it's so overwhelming and I wasn't making any money and I couldn't figure out what I was doing wrong when it turned out I was doing so many things wrong. I, I wasn't charging customers enough uh-huh. and I just kept taking on everyone. Was doing everything for everyone basically instead of having very specific narrow set of services to offer yeah. clients. I was like, "Oh, you need me to do this. You need me to run here. You need me to get in the car and be a pet taxi. Yeah, I can do it all." Versus really having defined services and focusing on those and blowing those out. Yeah, and that's that, a, that's a great point because helped. we we know that you know if we focus on too many things, we don't ever give one thing one hundred percent of our attention, right? So what you're saying is I think something that a lot of people struggle with, they want to be everything to everyone. So what I'm also hearing is that your mindset switched from how can I serve you to how can I serve me and my family and make this business a vehicle of something. It's a hard mental adjustment, but once it was made, I think it was kind of like the best decision really that I made for me or my business to just be zeroed in and focused in on exactly. I mean, I had like a dog treat line, like I had all kinds of different things. And I remember um, that. Yeah. Just like, yeah. So just like focusing in on a couple things and working on to just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, become like an expert at only a couple things versus an expert at everything. And then delegation, you know, we've talked a million times about that. So that's yeah. Um, delegate is huge. So what kind of things, so you mentioned the treats, you mentioned pet taxi, what else were you trying to do for everybody else? And then what did you decide? (laughs) I was giving dogs baths. Baths? Um, I was working with all kinds of baths. Yeah. I was doing, I personally was giving dogs baths. Oh man. I was taking on animals that we just weren't qualified for. Like I hire animal lovers, not dog trainers. So a lot of times people come to me and they really want to use my company and I hate saying no. So yeah, we'll work with you. When in reality, it's like, it can't be everything to everyone. You know, your dog has certain issues and that's fine, but I don't have people that are qualified for that. So, you know, it's just great to come up with a list of people that you refer to and send them on their way. Cause it's just not, sometimes it's just not worth like having someone get bit. Right. How did your life change? Like when you started saying no to everyone else, your life and your business, can we reflect on that for a minute? Like when you started saying no to other people and not in like a selfish way, or a mean way, but just like in a more directive way, how did your life, your personal life with your family and your business life, how did that start changing at that point? Because I think this, I don't want to brush over this section too much because I feel like there's so many people that are at that point right now, spinning their wheels, doing everything for everyone else. What changed when you finally dialed it back? You have more time. <laughs> you have a lot more time yeah. because you've mastered certain functions like in your business that you know how to do. So they run consistently like a well-oiled machine. Yeah. yeah. That's, so that's, that's the best way I can describe it. Yeah. 
and you and, have and more time, but not just like, to get more busy, I've right? Taken, yeah, like sometimes I've taken financial hits to myself in order to like hire people that I think would be good for the company to help like bring it up. You know, like you had encouraged me. I was having such a hard time with the hiring and hiring and hiring because we live in a very metropolitan area where people are always coming and going. And you were like, why don't you hire a human resources manager? And I was like, genius. <laughs> I think this was like almost three years ago. And it was like the best thing I ever did for myself. Here I have someone who loves writing process and procedure and having like running the whole human resources function. And she keeps an eye on where we have holes and gaps in terms of like hiring in different areas. And there's just always a steady stream of interviews coming through. And we have a whole interviewing process. That was a huge thing for me. What was the mindset shift for you on that? Because you started that with saying that you had to take a little bit of a hit financially yourself. But when we're talking hit, it wasn't like you weren't making any money. It's just your numbers. Yeah. But it was like you're planting seeds to grow. So I think a lot of business owners think I can't afford a HR person and thinking that it's like a $80,000 a year salary or something crazy like that. Like I can't afford that. I'm just a small business. You don't understand. If someone's thinking those objections right now as they're listening to us, what would you say to them? And how did you get over that and realize, you know what, this is something that my business deserves. This is something that I don't like doing and I can get someone else to help me do this. Yeah. I mean, if there's, I'm one of those people that doesn't really take no for an answer and I'm not very much of a, I can't, as you know, I'm not much of an, I can't, I can't, I can't kind of person. It's more like try, 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 find a way, find a way. We'll figure out, okay, this doesn't work. Let's do this. So as far as like hiring her, it was genius. Like I posted, I think I found her on Craigslist. I mean, there's the world is your oyster. Like there's no reason why you can't hire someone. You're in Chicago. You can't hire someone in Florida. Uh-huh. You know, there's different costs of living all over the country. So you have to be able to, I'm sure there's somebody that's willing to work like five hours a week, or maybe it's 10 hours a week to start, or maybe it's 30 uh-huh. hours a week. You know, you just have to iron out what you want that position to be and how many hours you need. And think of all the things that you can accomplish to help grow your business when you're not doing tasks that you aren't good at. Uh-huh. That's my thing. Like it wasn't something that was good for me. Like I just wasn't good at it. So I've tasked someone else with that responsibility. So it's opened me up to be able to do a lot of other things that are revenue generating. I love that. So you took one of the two major problems that every pet sitting and dog walking business owner have, which is get more clients and more staff. And you solved one of those so that you could keep... Yeah. I'm always looking for more clients. I never have enough of those. Of course. But I have have someone who loves human resources. She loves hiring and handling the firing and interviewing and the searching for people. Like that's something she's passionate about. So it works out really well. I love it. I love it. It's just, it's such a big pain in the butt. I've never met a pet business owner, actually any business owner that said, I love hiring and firing and training and all this stuff, right? So the better that we can get at solving that problem so we can focus on marketing and getting clients and improving customer service and processes Mm -hmm. and systems, the better it is for you to grow your business. And I really, truly want to drive home the point that that is why I believe you have been so successful so fast because your growth has just like skyrocketed. Like I literally look at you and I'm like, there's nothing that Heather can't do. I mean, you really do. You (laughs) figure out a way to do it. (laughs) On that note though, let's, and I didn't prep you for this one and I hope that you'll oblige me 
tell me about a couple of really big blunders that you made, big mistakes that you were like, oh, that wasn't such a great idea I had, but I turned around and walked through a different door to fix it. So last year was a really tough year for me. I had to move out of town, the main town that I service and that I've been in for 17 years. My husband and I, we just took a leap and had to move for personal reasons out to the suburbs. And in doing that, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have no one here to manage my business. So I hired a full-time manager and walked away from my business for almost an entire year. That was really hard to do. It worked out for, I'd say, about six months until this girl went off the deep end. (laughs) It just went a little crazy. And you know that story. But I think it was in October of last year, I had 13 people quit in one month for frustration on how they were being managed and how the manager that I had on staff was just having the staff go all over the place. And, you know, time is money and pet sitters don't make a ton of money. So you want to make sure that their schedules are like tight and in a defined area. So in November, I fired her and took on everything and put together a whole org chart with my human resources manager. I was like, Chad, I was like, okay, let's what's my vision here? How do I want this to be? So it's like I put together a structure of what I want it to be. And then I broke my entire staff into teams and promoted people into neighborhood managers within that. So I had a big blunder where I was like losing revenue, losing clients, losing staff because I had to walk away from my business for a little bit. And when I was ready to come back, it was like, boom, I wrote job descriptions for the neighborhood managers, gave them monthly stipends, gave them each a team that they managed, gave them a Google voice number, and email and limited access into the scheduling system. I hired a key manager. The key manager specifically comes Monday through Saturday, 10 to 11. That's all she does during that time period is manage keys. And voila, like I barely have any turnover anymore. Like people feel in control of their situation. The managers are happy because they feel in control of the teams. And I don't have to answer from 40 people every day calling me, trying to ask me, can I move this dog or can I do this? It's like the neighborhood managers who have like four or five people on their team are able to just work together and handle those lockouts or I can't get a dog out or something's wrong with the cat all these basic things that I was constantly running around like crazy doing, I don't have to do anymore. And that was life-changing for me. It's brilliant how you took a situation where a lot of people could get paralyzed in that fear of, oh my gosh, I hired an office manager, 13 people quit. No one can do it the way I do it. And you persevered. You took the industry, flipped it on its head, did a different kind of management system that nobody ever does. It worked brilliantly for you. You weren't afraid to fail at it. And that's what I really want people listening today to think about. Like, don't be afraid of the failure. Like, really tie into Heather couldn't keep going being the center nucleus of this. She divided and conquered. She empowered others to have a little bit of control all spread out, which I think is something also different. This manager had like... And I won't lie. Like it wasn't my idea. I took it from a different pet sitting company. Like I talked to many different people that had bigger companies than me and was like, how do you manage all these people? Right. And one of them was like, oh, well, this is how I did it. This is the job description I had. So I kind of took that idea and ran with it. But the the thing that's commendable, though, is that you weren't afraid of it. You weren't saying, oh, well, that can't work for me. And I feel like a lot of people hear solutions and then quickly talk themselves out of it. 
And that's where mm-hmm. you're different. That's where you're very different. You so, have to try, try, try. <laughs> exactly. And that's what, I mean, yeah. being entrepreneurs, so being a professional the worst thing that happens? Yeah, exactly. Like, what's the worst thing that happens? It doesn't work. And then you, like, find a different idea. Yeah. I mean, you know how many different key processes I've had in the last 15 years? <laughs> how many, how many do you think you've had? How many? If you had taken I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But my key process now is amazing. So I'm like super happy about it. I see it wasn't amazing out the gate and that's okay. That's okay. You got to be okay yeah. with not being okay and figuring it out. Yeah. So yeah. That's what the fun, for me, that's what's fun about it is trying to solve problems and figure out like, how can you make this better? Yeah. Yeah. I love fun it. with it, you know? <laughs> You might as well. I mean, we chose all yeah. to be a business owner, right? We all chose yeah, exactly. to try to be a professional problem solver. It just happens to be in the pet industry. And you're not so much focused on how do I get this dog to poop on a walk? You're focused on how do I keep my walkers happy to keep waiting for that dog to poop on a walk? And yes, I just said poop. Yeah. So what are some of your best delegation tips for someone who's just you know, terrified of that word or feel like they've failed in it before, what advice would you have for them? Don't give it all out at once and don't give it all out to one person. Those are like two big things. So what I have found for me that works best, and this is from learning, (laughs) is that instead of just giving it all to one like manager and having them do it, why not? Everyone wants to grow in a role and what I was finding is after like a couple of years, the sitters would be like, oh, there's nowhere for me to go. And it's like, well, it's a pet sitting company. There isn't a whole lot of space, you know, for upward mobility. But if they could start managing a team and they feel more a part of the organization, that's huge. And I assume that they kind of feel a little bit of ownership, a little bit of pride over yeah. it. Like, you yeah. know, like you created that upward mobility by solving the problem of getting yourself out of it. I mean, you and I were able to sit and have dinner while you trekked mm-hmm. through Arizona, your family, you guys take uh, <laughs> how many, like one RV trip and one overseas trip a year or something? Yeah, about that. Like I'm leaving for Morocco tomorrow with my That's husband right. so for two weeks. It's incredible. So, like, can't wait. I'm just going to like turn it off. <laughs> check my brain at the gate, you know? <laughs> You're the epitome of what a lot of people start a business for. They start it so that they can have that passive income, so that they can make a difference in clients and employees' lives, so that they can pick and choose when they want to work and how they want to work. And I think it's not so much, and I say this with love, that you're amazing with animals. You're amazing with the people that manage the animals. Yeah. Yeah. Like I love animals, but animals isn't my passion. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not my passion. Like my passion is running a business and working with people, really running a business. So I think a lot of people, what happens is, you know, when you have five staff, it's really a lot different than when you have 30 or 40 staff, your process and procedure is totally different. When you have five people, you can run your own payroll and like cut a check. Even when you have like double that, it starts to become like a task right, <laughs> of right. like you know, manually doing everything. So you have to be willing to adapt and change if you want your business to grow. Right. And you said that your staff fluctuates too, depending on the season, 25 to 40. And I think that's another thing that I think we think that staff just always needs to keep growing, 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 growing. And just like pricing, everything really is supply and demand. You have a business mind. It's okay to love the pets. I don't want anyone to get pissed off at me listening to this thinking, well, I do it because I love the pets. I just want to encourage you to think about one, Are you having such a tough time because you love the pets and not the business? 
or do you equally love business as much as the pets? Because I don't want you to get into this insanity, doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, alienating your friends and family around you. They don't invite you anywhere because you're always working. Always busy. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be that way. And I I hope that today... I think it's just really important to begin with the end in mind. It's something my father-in-law has always said to me for years. Like, begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. Like, where do you want to be? What do you really want out of it? Do you want to be a pet sitter? Like, is it that important to you to be involved in the pets? Then maybe it is. Then, you know, maybe you hire someone... I don't know. You just have to figure out how to make it work for yourself. Like for me, I, it didn't work for me to always be in the field because I want to be able to have the availability for my children and be home sometimes when they get off of school and take the field trips with them and be off for their spring break or be off for the summer. You know, frankly, like half the summer, I'm not going to be working really. So you just have to begin with the end in mind and figure out what your goal is. Like I have crazy goals for myself, but they're written out and I know exactly where I'm going. I think sometimes people don't always do that. They don't ask themselves like, okay, well, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Is that going to get me to my goal? You know, was me bathing dogs, (laughs) you know, was me taking on dog baths going to get me to like where I want to be? No. Right. That's powerful. That's so powerful. So, and it's a perfect segue in the last couple of minutes that we have together. Would you tell us some of your goals that you have coming up in a few years from now? Where do you see yourself growing to? <laughs> so I teeter back and forth. I have financial goals for myself. So nothing that I want to like in terms of That's that, okay. you know, like be in people's faces about that. But I have financial goals for myself. But I teeter back and forth with like the franchising idea of going into that model because as you continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, I can continue to have neighborhood managers and general managers and become like this whole tiered thing. But at some point you have to have people that are vested financially in things that really want to make it work. So I've teetered with that idea. I've teetered with just, you know, taking over New Jersey, but I think like my business model is more urban. So probably sticking with the urban communities. And right now, the reason why, one of the reasons why I'm in Savannah is because my human resources manager moved there a couple years ago, Chad. And we were like, oh, we'll give it a shot. So we're trying it down there to kind of see, you know, can we prove this business model works in another area? Yeah. And, you know, if it does, then we'll try it somewhere else. And, and then maybe some people will be interested in kind of like buying into the idea. Or maybe my financial goals have been met and you never know. It's like ever changing. (laughs) I think it's so cool that it's so open-ended, but rooted in data. You know, I think that's what it comes down to. And uh, I really... <laughs> yeah, right. The numbers don't lie. That's how we don't make emotional decisions about mm-hmm. business, which we can't be making emotional decisions when we're running it. Yeah, and I think a lot of times with pet sitters, they get really caught up emotionally in like, oh, well, this person's financially can't do this, or I can't raise their price, or it's like you're running a business. You're yeah. not running, or maybe you're running a charity. I'm running a business. Yeah. So there's certain clients that fit a mold and certain ones that don't. Yeah. So. Well, great job, girl. I'm so proud of you. And I'm so excited to have you on this podcast. You guys, if you're listening to this and you're inspired or motivated or maybe even challenged, which some of us might be challenged after listening to this, I want you to go ahead and sound off uh, where you saw this posted. Thank Heather for her time. Don't forget to go to Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you might listen to your podcast and subscribe to Bella in your business and go ahead and leave a review if you dare. And remember, when life gets going, 
always keep jumping. Thanks for jumping with Bella in your business. For more information, free articles, free coaching sessions, and more, go to jumpconsulting.net. And remember, Bella's got your shoot.